This is a trafficker from India on the phone to buyers of endangered turtles and tortoises for the Hong Kong market. Tell me the later if you can send me a price for the Hamilton's. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I send, I send. He's offering them around 40 red-crowned roof turtles. They're critically endangered, with less than 400 adult females thought to remain in the wild. What this trafficker doesn't know is that he's being recorded. The buyers are actually operatives of the Wildlife Justice Commission, and they're closing in. This seller is just one character in a story of kingpins, corruption, and international crimes of wildlife trafficking that crosses continents. This is a story of criminals threatening a whole species and destabilizing societies. But mostly, this is a story of the people who are trying and succeeding to bring them to justice. This is Operation Dragon. Operation Dragon is a podcast from the Wildlife Justice Commission and is part of the series Wildlife Kingpin. I'm Jonathan Gruber, and this is part two. The trap is sprung. When you go to a law enforcement agency and you're talking about a suspect, you need more than just a name. Right, so we have photographs of these people who look at their social media, we've got their phone numbers, and all that stuff is a starting point for a law enforcement agency to develop their side of the case. This is Steve Carmody. Steve is a former Australian cop who is the Wildlife Justice Commission's Director of Programs. And back in 2016, he was the Chief of Investigation in charge of Operation Dragon. In the last episode, Steve and his crew of undercover operatives were closing in on traffickers with connections to an India-based kingpin called Mona. The way it works is the Wildlife Justice Commission gathers evidence and then hands it off to their partners in local law enforcement. There's a handover of where we finish and they start, and that's generally by putting product in a room. So in this instance, it was the Wildlife Crime Control Bureau in India and Pahilatan in Malaysia. So the Wildlife Crime Control Bureau is the coordinating agency in India in respect to wildlife crime and forestry crime. They work with law enforcement agencies throughout the country, and they're the focal point in India. And Bahilatan is the National Park Service in Malaysia, but they have a law enforcement function where they can arrest and detain. And they had a team work throughout the country on things like turtles, but also tigers and primates. While Steve and his team were collecting evidence and creating a case for a bust by Bahilatan, Indian traffickers were sending WhatsApp videos of, as Steve puts it, product. This is a video showing endangered, juvenile, little black and yellow Indian star tortoises piled up in a blue bucket. A man's hand is tossing them around to get them moving to show they're alive. Bollywood music is playing in the background, and you can just make out a barefooted woman and what looks like the bottom of her pink sari. This was the proof Steve and his crew had convinced the traffickers they really were Chinese buyers. The next step was to set up meetings for a handover of the goods. He let his colleagues at Perhilton know it was time to set up a sting. It happens pretty quickly because these guys are looking for buyers, so they want to push us. And often this becomes the challenge in that 
these guys have product, they want money, they want to move now. And if you're working with a law enforcement agency, nothing happens that quickly, right? It takes time. And that's one of the, the benefits that we have is the, the flexibility that we have to be able to get on the ground pretty well anywhere within 48 hours. So for us, it was trying to convince initially that the Malaysian authorities that, hey, listen, we can actually get this stuff. And that opportunity came fairly quickly when we were offered Indian Star tortoises and Hamilton's turtles in Kuala Lumpur. Opportunity did strike, and there were two deals happening nearly simultaneously. First, a thousand Indian star tortoises were making their way to Malaysia and being brought to a safe house. But a different and connected group was bringing Hamilton tortoises. Steve told Perhilatan to get ready to make two busts. We had two sightings on the same day, but we knew that some of the product was going to be moved. When you say sightings, what do you mean? That's when our undercover people go out and they have a look at the wildlife. It was in an apartment, which was just basically a safe house. They took us out there. It was just pretty well an apartment they'd rented. And they had a guy there who was responsible for the care of the turtles and tortoises. But we also knew that there was another shipment with another network that was connected, but separate. So we were going through one broker who showed us these Indian star tortoises. But we also knew that there was another shipment of Hamilton's turtles, the bigger ones, or the yellow spots on the black shell, had arrived as well. So it was quite a challenge to identify both locations in the same day. Because we're using the same broker, as soon as you took him out, there's a good chance that you're going to lose either or. This is all happening in Malaysia at this point. The turtles had been shipped out of India, gone through Bangladesh, and flown from Dhaka over to Kuala Lumpur, The traffickers were getting the product ready for pickup by the buyers. These buyers were Steve's UCs, or undercover operatives. Once we had sighted them, the clock was ticking against them. So the thing is, with a thousand Indian star tortoises, it's not something you can move in like 10 minutes. We were fairly confident if they started to move it that we could bring in the law enforcement team. So you were staking out the house? We started staking out the house. While they were staking out the house with the Indian stars they needed to figure out where the traffickers were keeping the Hamilton tortoises. So what we did is we called on a meeting at a local McDonald's where we had a coffee, discussed the first purchase of the Indian stars, said the money's coming, but we also want to have a look at the, the Hamiltons and so that we can buy them. We let the suspect take the meeting location. Criminals are generally pretty lazy, right? So we thought that if we meet this guy where he wants us to meet, that the other guys won't be too far away. So we had the meeting that McDonald's, our UCs left, but we kept the surveillance on the suspect who literally walked 200 metres down the road to a hotel where he met up with some other guys and then he left. So that gave us a fairly good indication that they were the people that had the commodities. So we had two locations that we were doing surveillance on at that time, one where the Indian stars were and another was the hotel where this meeting had occurred between the broker and these other Indian gentlemen. We've been able to photograph these guys during the meet. So we went to our law enforcement contacts. We told them that this is where the Indian stars are. So they've pulled up a team and they raided that. And we said, look, we're pretty sure that the other guys are in this hotel because we'd been told they'd flown in. It was a pretty low-level hotel, you know, something that, you know, if you're a criminal in India, this is the sort of hotel you're going to pay for your couriers. Peloton went to the front desk and showed the photographs of the suspects. The hotel took them to the room, they knocked on the door, they opened the door and there were the turtles sitting on the bed with the suitcase open. 
once they'd had taken out the Indian stars in the first address. Obviously, they're very happy. They got over a thousand turtles. And then we said, okay, but there is still another shipment. We're sitting on a hotel where we believe these guys are. And once you had that first win, there's confidence from law enforcement to keep going. They said, oh, no worries, we're going to peel off some people from this job and we'll come in and search the hotel. They went to the hotel staff, showed the photographs that we provided, and then they said, oh, they're in this room. And there they were, the Hamilton's turtles. They got them. Yeah, they got them. And this brings us to my favorite part of the show. Steve had made contact with another group of traffickers via WhatsApp. He told us that he was moving some commodities, which were Hamilton's turtles, to Malaysia. He'd sent us videos. We'd discuss pricing and we'd agreed on a price and to meet in Malaysia. We then picked him up outside the airport and he jumped into a taxi and we followed the taxi to where we were, but he'd picked up the bags in between. Obviously, someone at the airport had facilitated that. So we would arrange for him to bring the products to a hotel where he thought we were staying. And what we'd done is we'd set up a camera in the hotel room, which we could monitor remotely. So basically, we dragged him into the room. He showed us the product. We said, all right, we're going to go and get the cash. And as we walked out, Pihilatan walked in and arrested him. Don't let Steve's laconic demeanor fool you. This was a proper sting with a few comic touches. It's 2017, and on the video, the trafficker named Ali is seen checking into his hotel, tugging a trolley suitcase behind him. The video cuts to his room, where Ali is joined by a Chinese buyer. Turtle heads are popping up out of his open bag as he struggles to show his wares. The turtles keep trying to escape, and before you know it, he's a keystone cop pushing one head down as another pops up. He starts turning them on their shells to immobilize them. But while he's doing this, he fails to notice his Chinese buyer sneak out of the room. A few seconds later, the door bursts open. Five Malaysian police officers saunter in, arrest Ali, and cuff him. He looks shocked. It's priceless. And Steve wasn't the only one watching. The whole team, everybody from the assistant to the director of intelligence was sitting in the conference room and we had it up on the screen and we could watch what was happening live in Kuala Lumpur. This is Olivia Svak Goldman. She's the executive director of the Wildlife Justice Commission. We watched one of the undercovers meeting with the suspected criminal and them engaging. And then we watched the criminal open a suitcase and all these turtles <laughs> rushed out and were scampering around. And then the undercover leaves and the police come in and arrest the suspected criminal. And it feels like a great resolution. We're really able to participate and feel like we're part of it. And that was really important for the whole team. How did everybody react in the room? Oh, they were thrilled. They were thrilled. Absolutely. Sometimes it's hard to remember what your contribution is. We are on the finance team or whether you're on the, the comms team does a tremendous job. And all of us to feel like we were participating and actively partaking in this was important for everybody. And to see the success, we really felt we figured out what our strengths were and how to make a real impact. We celebrated by getting a bottle of champagne and everybody cheering and toasting to the great result in our future ahead. And that future brings us to Mona. Last week's show started with a poised young South Asian man dressed in a light blue polo shirt selling Hamilton tortoises 
to a Wildlife Justice Commission agent posing as a buyer. It turns out Mona was the kingpin behind the trafficking in these podcasts. Thanks to these arrests, more surveillance and intelligence, and the help of Indian investigators and Interpol, Mona was arrested by the Indian government in 2017. And the good news is, thanks to the arrests and conviction of Mona and other kingpins, the trafficking of turtles and tortoises through Malaysia and indeed all of Asia has gone way down. There are several consequences for Operation Dragon. The first is putting the spotlight on this type of crime, the live pet trade, and specifically turtles and tortoises. It also highlighted the role of corruption in enabling wildlife crime in a very specific way. There was a lot of talk about corruption, but it wasn't documented. You couldn't see how that worked, and you couldn't really hold governments to account for addressing it unless they knew specifically what was going on. So we were able to help the governments to do that. So I think that's an important issue, putting the spotlight on on the corruption as well. And I think an important result is it proved that our method of going after the high-level criminals is effective and is a way to really make a change in the dynamic of wildlife crime so it will no longer be low-risk, high-reward. So it's not just turtles. It has consequences for the trafficking in other animals and other forms of endangered species. And can you honestly say hand on heart that Operation Dragon had an effect on that? That effect is that governments are starting to take wildlife crime more seriously, raise it to the prioritization that it needs to have, starting to treat it like transnational organized crime, and looking at not just the iconic species, but also species that have been overlooked. You did that. We did that. How's it make you feel? Proud. I'm not a huge fan of numbers around arrests because you can arrest a thousand poachers or a thousand drug users and it doesn't change anything. But you arrest one or two major players. And that has a huge impact. There were seven that were arrested during Operation Dragon. We'd seized over 6,000 live turtles and tortoises. And it was something that had never been done in relation to not only seizing, but arresting those that were most responsible for the trade. One of the turtles that we had seized had never been seen in the trade before, but they were worth about 1,800 US a specimen. And local legislation didn't protect them they were unaware of the value they were in the trade. Immediately, the Indian authorities found out about that. They moved to increase protection for those turtles. Because often what will happen is the trade will decimate a population before the government even knows that it's in the trade. And this was a, a classic case of that. It's about making the criminals react to us rather than us reacting to the criminals all the time. You want them having to change the way they do business because it costs them time and money. And we're able to bring people together and, and achieve some successes. So, for us, it was about targeting those networks, those key individuals, and it turned out to be eight networks. In the end, Operation Dragon disrupted eight wildlife trafficking networks and made 30 arrests. Five traffickers have been jailed, while other suspects are still awaiting trial at the time of writing. More than 6,000 freshwater turtles and tortoises were saved, and that's great. But it's also not the end of the story. Some of the traffickers have been released from jail already because the sentencing in this area, especially for top-level criminals, isn't necessarily as high as I personally think it should be. So that's the criminal justice system. In various countries, right? In various countries, absolutely. And I think the most important part about this aspect of our work is to show that the jail needs to be 
commensurate with the level of criminality. So the high-level offenders really should get significant jail time and should have their assets seized. But the important thing is to keep going after the criminals, even if they go back and start into this criminal activity, that we continue to infiltrate the networks again so that at a certain point, individuals are saying, I'm not going to engage in this activity. Are they back at it? There's evidence that some of them are back at it, which is extremely frustrating, but it just motivates me even more to go after them and to disrupt the networks so that the workings of these criminal syndicates gets frustrated. Whilst most of us are from a drug background, drug law enforcement, organized crime law enforcement background, there's lots of similarities, but the single biggest difference is that the commodity has limitations, right? So with drugs, you can always make more drugs. When the last elephant is gone, that's it. When the last turtle is gone, that's it. We're running against the clock. And in some areas, we're ahead of the world record time. In 25 years time, we may have been the difference for some species to still be around. The ultimate objective is to turn the light off and you won. Steve Carmody says the ultimate game plan is to make himself entirely redundant and to just retire. Alas, there's still so much wildlife trafficking everywhere in the world, it's clear the Wildlife Justice Commission won't be closing its doors anytime soon. Still, by any standard, Operation Dragon was a rousing success, and that's something Christian van der Hooven is also celebrating. When I heard that Operation Dragon was successful, I was really very happy because it showed that the concept of this Wildlife Justice Commission system actually works and that we can do something about it, and that's really good. Remember him from episode one? Christian is a WWF biologist who was heavily involved in setting up the Wildlife Justice Commission, and he was proud when he heard about all the arrests. It's too early to say what the impact is of this operation on the species survival. It's a long-term process, but it's a very good step to start with. And it shows off that it actually has an effect. How seriously do governments need to take wildlife trafficking? Very serious. Why? Very serious. Because it's not only bad for species, it's also bad for your stability of your system, of your society, because there's illegal trafficking, there's all kinds of other wildlife crime involved, there's other criminal activities involved, laundering, like corruption, all those are disruptive for your society. And that's a threat for you also, so you need to do something about it. So it matters not just to the animals that are being trafficked, but to society itself. It's that important, you say? Yes, yes. That's why also putting wildlife crime on the political agenda has been also one of the aspects that we thought was really important. What do you feel still needs to be done? What still needs to be done is actually the rolling out and the funding and the setting up of more of this work. So you need actually 10, 20, 30, 50 Operation Dragons. That's what you need if you want to really stop this whole trade. And if that doesn't happen, what will be the consequence? You lose your species. And not only tortoises, it's birds, it's reptiles, it's pangolins, it's all, all mammals, it's fish, it's sharks. I mean, there's so much trade in Asia. They'll trade anything that moves, anything that lives. So if you don't stop it now in a proper way, it will go on until everything is finished. I'm not doubting that. And we can do something about it. That was the biologist and conservationist Christian van der Hooven ending this two-part series of Operation Dragon. We have links to the videos of the arrests I described in the show and WhatsApp clips of contraband turtles. It's all online, and there are links to it in the show notes. 
Do you want to find out more about the Wildlife Justice Commission's incredible work? Just go to wildlifejustice.org and search for Dragon Report. You'll find details about everything in today's show, plus mugshots of the perps. And Operation Dragon is just one of many successful Wildlife Justice Commission investigations, including our first podcast series, Wildlife Kingpin, The Rise and Fall of Anam. Find out more at wildlifejustice.org, where you can also donate by clicking on the donate button. It's for them, for you, for me, for all of us. That's at wildlifejustice.org. Join us. From the Wildlife Justice Commission, this was Operation Dragon from our series, Wildlife Kingpin. I'm Jonathan Gruber. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.